Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hello and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. This is Patty Anderson. And now, time for class. Have you noticed the second half of Pay Me What I'm Worth takes a sharp philosophical turn? Yeah. When I'm having to read something like 20 times, (laughs) I'm like, what's going on here? (laughs) What do you think about this shift? I never know what to think. <laughs> Honestly, so I'm like, oh, do I understand this now? Or wait a minute, I got to read it again. Okay, I think I understand, and then I know I'm going to get into class, and you're going to throw a loop at us. <laughs> what? What? I was just, I was just getting ready to say, Marcia, there's no sense in even trying to. I, I never feel like I've got it. Like I know when I come into class, what I was going into this thinking, this section session thinking, yeah, it's not going to stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked, I tell you. I'm absolutely shocked. How could you level such an accusation against me? I just don't know. Oh, really? But, but I will say this. I came away from this week thinking this is requiring me to go deeper in a different way, and this requirement is aiding in my integration. Bingo. Yes. Bingo. I can agree with that, definitely. When I was channeling this book, and I was from a teacher standpoint, from a, okay, wait a minute, the first five chapters were very concrete, were very boom, 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 very hands-on, very, it's not necessarily easy work to do, but it's very recipe, cookbook style easy to understand, very concrete, very tacit, right? Right. You can touch it, taste it, feel it, see it, that sort of thing. And all of a sudden now we're getting into the clouds. We're getting into the ethers. We're getting into that ever-changing, morphing landscape of philosophy and beliefs and cultural norms. And I'm thinking, okay. And then you just mentioned the magic word, integration. By diving into some of the stuff that, frankly, many adults have not really taken much time to ponder, the sets of beliefs that were installed in our childhood 
whether those are religious or spiritual beliefs, cultural norms, things like that, oftentimes they were installed in a way that we honestly have never really questioned them. True? Yep. Yes. So it's time to question them. (laughs) (laughs) The opening quote for Chapter 7, Month 8 of our journey, Pricing the Priceless. The quote is by James Hilton, an English novelist. Surely there comes a time when counting the cost and paying the price aren't the things to think about anymore. All that matters is value, the ultimate value of what one does. A light and fluffy little quote to open a chapter. (laughs) What type of pretzel did your mind go into as you pondered that opening quote? I'll be honest, it was a bit much for me. I had to check out on it. It had me doing too much. If this, then that scenario kind of thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a honey mustard pretzel today. <laughs> I tell you, when it comes to all this food for thought, honestly, it's like as I'm actually diving into some things that I used to believe in the past, I find myself realizing that so many of the things that I thought were really paradoxes in my life, and I'm like, wow, it just seems that some of the things that I used to think are no longer truth for me anymore. I don't think that way anymore. So, yeah, there's a lot of content coming up in my brain (laughs) going, wow. How did that happen? <laughs> the one thing that continued to come back up in my head though, was choice and balance. Those are the yep. two words that are coming back up in my head. Yes. Good. Good, 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 good. Because think about this. As we were being raised, how often did you sense you actually had a choice? Yeah, not rarely. Not often. <laughs> it was usually... Because I said so, you don't pay bills, you just a child paying your place. You can, you're free to express your opinion, but then when you express your opinion, the repercussions certainly teach you that you'll not be doing that again. <laughs> yes, I agree. It wasn't really choice that we had. It seemed like we didn't realize we had choice. I didn't realize I had choice because I just followed the norm. Exactly. With society's norms of what you're supposed to think and how you're supposed to think about it and what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Black and white. So it's fair to say you both now are finding how you adjusted your balance to match the balance necessary to survive? Yes. Yes. Think about that for a moment. We as a species have the ability to adapt cope, change, change our spots, right? Mm-hmm. right? To what cost? To what cost? And the moment we may think, okay, I have to make this choice. I don't really want to. But if I don't make this choice, then either I'm going to go hungry or I'm going to go homeless or I'm going to, whatever the consequence is, we recognize that we would rather not face that consequence. So we make that choice. True? True. This chapter now is reconciliation time. 
<laughs> it's like when you get the checkbook out, you got to balance the checkbook. The bank sends you the statement. The statement says you've got this much money in the bank. You need to balance that with your own personal checkbook. And 30 days later, unless you've said, ah, the bank goes, nope, that's the balance. Thank you very much. We're moving on, right? Yeah. Well, many 30 days have passed. <laughs> And it's a balancing time now of looking at, all right, pricing the priceless. We've made choices in our lives. We've paid the price in a variety of different ways. It's time to look at, is the continued paying of that price worth it? The opening quote, I guess the best way I can put an example into the opening quote, surely there are times when counting the cost and paying the price aren't things to think about anymore. All that matters is value and the ultimate value of what one does. Chelsea's journey, her path in life as a hospice social worker, is an excellent example of this opening quote. I can remember when my mother passed and I got the news, nothing else mattered to me about anything than getting home in time for the funeral. I didn't care what the price of the airfare cost. I didn't care what it was going to do to my career. I didn't care about social engagements that were important that were going to have to be canceled. All of that just got erased. I just remember booking the flight, getting on that plane, getting home, and being with family so that we can bury our last parent. And in that moment, the, the usual things that would come to mind uh, over, oh, the cost of the airline ticket, oh, the cost of the car rental, oh, the cost of this, oh, the cost of that, oh, none of that mattered, even when it came to the funeral and the final arrangements for the funeral. We just, as a family, we went, well, this is a funeral. I mean, we've got to do certain things. There's no need of gnashing and wailing of teeth about it, right? Right. There are moments in our lives where we set aside the bean counter, and whether that bean is time, whether that bean is money, whether that bean is health, reputation, respect, there's got to be some juicy stories that you two have where you consciously set aside your own self-esteem, thinking that by doing so you were being kind and compassionate. You allowed someone to demean you, you allowed someone to discount you, because A, they were your elder, B, they were your boss, C, they were someone brand new and you didn't feel like being rude. Any stories? Oh, yeah, that was my pattern. I always felt like I was muting myself in situations, whether it be at work or whether it be engagement with a group of people or whatever, because I excelled at a lot of things. And so I felt like I had to mute myself so that other people that were part of the conversation or in the area didn't feel like they needed to compare themselves, measure up, feel less than, or anything like that. That used to always be among the top of my consciousness in my interaction with people. Christina, you've alluded to, in prior classes, in some of our offline conversations as well, the role of black women and how you personally have become more mindful of the fact of multiple occasions where you purposefully withheld your light for a variety of most justifiable reasons, but now you're getting in touch with how much light you have withheld. Is that an accurate statement? 
Absolutely. What's the price to that? The immediate price of that to me has been an ultimate unhappiness, sadness within me, that uh, depression that I spent years trying to present that it wasn't there, but it certainly was there, to a point where I didn't even want to engage or be involved with people. Like I just didn't even want to be bothered with people. I, I even began to get so jaded towards humanity I didn't even realize it, but there was a, an erosion of hope. Wow. And so for me personally, that's been a great price. But then as a cost of that, from an extended point of view, perspective, I, I wasn't able to have relationships with family members. Now, unfortunately, they're no longer with us, and I can't make those relationships right. Or not that they were wrong, but I, I can't glean the value from them and all the experience from them that I could have had I been present. And there are young ladies young of the younger generation in my family, in the community at large, that literally I could have touched. And I missed that opportunity to touch them and perhaps give them some opportunity to see another way than the path that they have been on. But it was because I wasn't present. And so as I assess this <laughs> in my present, and I'm looking to... I'm envisioning the woman that I'm working to become. It's on some level, it's a little scary because it's so foreign to me. It's not something that I've ever seen because, like myself, I learned from my mom. I learned from my aunts. I learned from my grandmom, right? I learned from other black women who, for generations, have been doing the same thing, not realizing that we're passing this on to our children. So that kind of legacy is like, whoa. Now I'm waking up to the legacy that I've unknowingly been a part of. And now there's that feeling of I've got to right this ship. And so that I don't fall back in my old patterns, I'm trying to figure out the balance in riding the ship and it not all being on my shoulders, but rather allowing my light to shine and praying that light kind of drips on other black women so that we can collectively right the ship. Bingo. As you were speaking, I couldn't help but think of what I wrote at the top of page 127. As dreams die, so does the dreamer. How soon do we all pay for just one lost dream? Immediately. Mm-hmm. This is why, Christina, I see you surrounded by thousands of black women who you are helping them co-create the energy necessary to right the ship by writing yourself. Not that you're wronging or you're flawed. It's more of an awakening that you no longer wish to be a typhoid Mary, such that you no longer wish to infect future generations of women, regardless of their skin color, that somehow they're flawed for who they are, right? Yes. Part of Chapter 7 is a deeper refinement of forgiveness. In our last journey in Chapter 6, you get what you pay for, we really started tackling this concept of forgiveness, right? 
Mm-hmm. Right. In Chapter 6, much like going around the house and picking up the laundry items you need to do the laundry, or much like going and just doing a light tidy around the house, yeah? Chapter 7 is the spring cleaning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Chapter 7 is when you get the brushes and the, and the soap out. and the, This is where everything gets scrubbed because worth decay. Christina, your story shares an excellent example of how deep worth decay can be. It can span centuries. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. Just like tooth decay. Once we get to a point to where that tooth hurts, when I have a tooth that's causing me suffering because I can't eat, I can't chew, it hurts so bad, I've got to deal with that tooth decay, right? Yes. If I don't, it can actually cause even more health problems. Dentists have told me that if you neglect your teeth for too long, you will have other health problems. It's not just your teeth or your gums that we're worried about. It can affect the rest of your body, yeah? That is so true, Marcia. I don't know about you, but at this point in my life, I can't breathe. It, it feels like suffocating. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's no more room to push anything else down. <laughs> it has to happen now. Like, I have to begin this process now. Part of the paradigm that we're working at with here is going back to what we talked about in the forgiveness stage of that unconditional ever-present forgiveness, right? Right. It could feel a bit daunting to have to go back and seek forgiveness from every single person who we think we need forgiveness from. I mean, that could be quite the journey, couldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You're not kidding. (laughs) I mean, how many... I'm not too old yet, so (laughs) it could be a little shorter. (laughs) Now, if we just simply acknowledge the fact that we are forgiven, if we acknowledge the fact that we, with a simple deep breath, a truly cleansing deep breath, we can wash our slate clean and begin from a renewed awareness that we are perfect, we are divine, we are meant here to shine our light. I have many a scholar, many a psychotherapist, many a psychologist say, well, soul, unless you really get down to the root of it all and really examine it all and blah, 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 and do years, if not decades worth of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's an option. I'm not discounting that option. If that works for you, great. I don't know about you, but there's more things in life I want to accomplish. And when I recognize, there have been times in my life where I have spent decades trying to figure something out, and then one day the light bulb turns on, I figured it out, and I go, and I spent a decade farting around with this? Jeez. (laughs) What's up with that? (laughs) So the point of pricing the priceless is I want to introduce the concept of opportunity cost. What does it cost you to not do something? What's the price paid in the form of time, money, health, respect, reputation, love? Just to name a few of the topics. So if I put off telling someone I love them, I love them dearly, and I want them to be part of my life, but I've changed so much since we've last talked, I really am 
not sure if you want to be part of my life. What's the cost to doing that? You will never know what could have come of it. Mm-hmm. You will never know if you could have had that relationship once again or you there's just so many variables in not knowing. It can still come back to haunt you because you did not find out. I didn't find out. I didn't take the time to seek out and let that person know that I have changed. If there's anything that I have done to hurt them, I want to know now if uh, there is a chance that we might be able to talk again or have a relationship once again. So I'm reminded of a conversation that we had offline one time about the importance of basically having faith that I've already got inside me all the seeds necessary to navigate all the situations, right? And in being controlling, I'm literally trying to play God and write my own section of divine order, so to speak. So now, I'm all, can you tell them all about this integration thing this week? <laughs> Now in trying to integrate the lessons of not being controlling, I guess, I just had an aha, like, if I don't take action, then I am, that's still a, a form of control. Mm-hmm. And, and you're fertilizing it. doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. Mm-hmm. And it is a vicious cycle, because going back to those relationships that I no longer have the opportunity to foster, there have been those moments of regret and, and, and shame that I didn't take full advantage of those opportunities. So from a wisdom bank perspective, the next time you encounter a similar relationship, how are you going to honor your wisdom bank? The next time, Christina, you encounter a relationship where you know you've got some relationship housekeeping to do, for lack of better words. And because you're really busy at your work, you've got this coming up, you've got that deadline coming up, this is happening, that's happening, blah, 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 all rational reasons, all justifiable, you opt to delay what you know you need to do. What's it going to cost you? A lot of years. It will cost you a lesson that you're going to have to repeat yeah. You feel awful right now that you did not have the chance to, to do what you wanted to do with a relationship that's now immortal. You're going to repeat that same lesson. Is it worth that cost? No. Sometimes there's that fear. of, mm-hmm. And I say fear, I guess that is also what equivalent to the worry and the doubt of how I will be received. So the next time you're asked to work overtime, the next time you're asked to put your personal life on hold because your professional life could be in jeopardy if you say no, where am I going with this? No, I'm like Marcia. You're just trying to throw me on a loop right now, so I'm tired. (laughs) What you have learned, Marcia, Christina, and everybody listening in, what you have learned is waiting for you to use it. Now, will you? I think for me, I have to say the question is, will I use it in the tough times? 
a tough situation. Because mm-hmm. I've already gotten pretty good at using it in certain situations, but there are situations that I still kind of am really reforming <laughs> my own patterns. <laughs> So just like someone who is training for a race, someone who is doing weight training, or any other type of thing where you're building up your skills, you're flexing your muscles, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I got some real good cuts and definition on some muscles now, but others, they're still a little flabby. <laughs> so pricing the priceless, as we get into this, think about how, yes, you do have inside you everything you need to do. Now, will you listen to yourself? See, Chapter 7 is about listening to yourself. How much do you really listen to yourself and follow it? Right now, I'm curious, Marsha, what's one of those little things inside you right now that's been pecking away at you? It's for maybe days, weeks, months, possibly years, possibly decades. It's constantly been pecking away at you, but because of whatever justifiable reason, you put it on hold. How about getting a video together and starting that list? That's been pecking away at me. (laughs) And I know I need to start doing that. And I know, Christina, you've offered to help me, and I think I know how to do it. It's just I don't know what it is, but it's been pecking away because I see the rest of everybody in this program pay me what I'm worth. They're really they're doing it with the videos. I'm like, wow, i got to get going. So part of the reality is that are you afraid to look at that beautiful new you in the mirror? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not afraid to look at myself in the mirror. I, think I said what beautiful is, new you. The beautiful new me, yes. I'm not afraid to look at myself in the mirror. No, I, you, you missed it again. <laughs> the beautiful new you. The beautiful new me. <laughs> there. <laughs> there. Okay. The Yay. Beautiful. <laughs> the beautiful new me. I believe basically what it is is I've just been so inundated with finishing up that walk. I'll get ready soon to do it. I promise. <laughs> There's that justifiable reason. It certainly is. Just, everybody would certainly, yeah, Marsha, you are certainly justified in having that reason. Now, my question to, to you is, this rewiring that we talk about, right? We've been talking over the months about how you sense you're getting rewired at core levels. Is that accurate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. understand how, once again, I, I remind you of the story of that one day where I was walking down a very sunny street in Chicago and I was walking by a business with big tall windows and I could see a full reflection of myself and I stopped and I stared not out of arrogance or out of narcissism I for the first time after shedding 125 pounds stopped and stared at that person and went who the hell is that because in my mind my mental image of me was still this morbidly obese person And it struck me in that moment, two years later, I was in denial of how much I had changed. The price I paid was low self-esteem. 
and I had to stop and go, this is me. (laughs) I had to rewire at that core level, even though it's been two years running. It took me two years to integrate the fact that I am no longer morbidly obese. So this rewiring that you're doing, I am really aware of the fact that there are times where you think you're just a big blob of goo. (laughs) (laughs) My hope with Chapter 7, as you begin to look at pricing the priceless, is you begin to realize you have learned hard lessons. Yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 You Although I don't, know, I don't think I feel of myself as a big blob of goo. I'm more like the Tower of Babel. There's so many conversations. <laughs> you know that commercial with the little devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder oh. having a, a sparring match? That's what it feels like. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you need them both. I will advocate always that you need the awareness that you have the angel on one side and the devil on the other. But just as we talked about at the beginning of our journey today, how we have the ability to adapt and shift our balance, that when we're faced with a threat, you're living under my roof, I'm paying the bills, you're going to take out the trash. Well, I take out the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Now I recognize I don't have to deal with that ultimatum anymore, yeah? Right. So what ultimatums have you made for yourself in the past few months that you can go... (laughs) In fact, the ultimatum, I'm going to get all of these lessons first go around. Like, I'm going to be the (laughs) all-star with this process. (laughs) Good. That's an excellent one. Keep going. (laughs) And I have given myself... A reality check on uh, forgiving myself and beating myself up about things. I think one of the biggest ones is when I'm missing a deadline or missing a goal, I can kick my, I'm telling you, you would think that I was like a WWE champion. (laughs) I'm so good at myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've even shared it recently in like some periscopes, like literally, Okay, so it's not happening. It, ha- it didn't happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but but it's coming. And I can't say that it's comfortable missing them. Nor do I think it should be comfortable missing a goal or a deadline. But I can now say, okay, I didn't get that one. Let's set what took place and what can I do differently to help me get this goal next time. And that integration is going well for me. It's nice. and it's palatable for me. That's huge. Yeah, tell me about it. I wish I'd learned this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel the world's weight on your shoulders lessening and lessening when you get into the reality that there's a divine timing that's a mystery often? Oh yeah. I have experienced divine timing so many times in my life that I already know it's divine timing and not my timing. (laughs) Sometimes I have to wait on that perfect timing because that's what's required for my request to happen. (laughs) 
or in the famous Hawaiian cultural style, you allow. There's allow. no waiting. There's no waiting. We allow. Allow. We allow yeah. things to happen. And I have come to know that divine timing requires me to be conscious of my own needs. Meaning, I've encountered many a person who, <clears throat> well, let's just say it's best summed up in this Buddhist principle. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Pain yeah. is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Suffering is optional. What do you think is in that little phrase? What's going on in there? I think the whole the E word is all at the core of that. Yep. Expectation. Mm -hmm. Say more. I'm coming to my awareness to expectation, that, and I, I, I even blogged about this one with the last night. These days are running together. And learning more about my personality type and everything, I'm all about it. I'm all in. I'm going 150 rotations that everybody will. And it's easy to expect that everybody's going to have the same commitment to something or the same passion for something. I think to an extent we all have that. And so when it doesn't happen in the way that I perceive it would have happened or what it would look like or feel like, there's that big disappointing low. Well, I really am learning how to navigate this, but I will say that I have a very ongoing back-and-forth relationship with expectation. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I've also realized on a deeper level, that it's more intense with myself, my expectation of myself. Bingo. The root of expectations. Yes. Expectation with myself. That is the food of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, which feeds our chaos committee. Woohoo! Oh, Yes, there is pain. I will experience pain when someone dies. I will experience pain when I stub my toe. I will experience pain when someone out of the blue who I've trusted, quote unquote, betrays me in a way that I had never seen coming. I can acknowledge the pain and then go, what have I learned? What is the back pain that I need to spray on this wound so it can start healing? And the back pain is, what have I learned? What did I ignore in the relationship that betrayed me? What did I assume in the relationship that betrayed me? That's right. What was I not paying attention to when I stubbed my toe, right? Yeah, that's right. More importantly, how do I prevent someone else from suffering? The best story around that is, is I was so clueless while I was becoming morbidly obese, how much suffering I had inflicted on those who loved me. They didn't want to see me ill. They didn't want to see me facing diabetes and stroke and heart attack. But they didn't say anything, but yet I was causing them to suffer as in creating a painful relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So part of Chapter 7 is, as you become more mindful of just simply being aware, we get in touch with our inner voice, right? Our inner higher self. True? True. The inner voice can get loud. Very loud. <laughs> Give me an example. 
What's a loud inner voice in you right now, Christina? It's just really all of the lessons that I've been learning over these past six months. It's all these awarenesses and these old patterns that all these years that I've been I sort of torturing myself in a way, I guess you would think. And all these new lessons, integrating all these new lessons, there are days where it's like there's comfort in those old patterns that really didn't bring me any happiness. They didn't, they didn't bring me any clarity. They didn't bring me any soothing. But there seems to be more comfort in those some days. I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say. Oh, yes. We will suffer the known more than we will allow ourselves to dive into the unknown. Mm-hmm. The fear factor. Yeah. Here's that Yohari window again, that blind spot, that fear. If we dive into our blindness, what are we going to find? <laughs> yeah. That's what's so loud for me right now. It's so intense. So I have a reality check for you both and for everybody listening. Sounds like the analyzer is still gainfully employed. Yeah. <laughs> is that a fair statement? Most definitely. What I've noticed about myself, I don't know about you, Marcia, I've been so focused on retiring my controller that more and more I'm noticing my analyzer come out. Mm. Hmm. I think I have become so much more aware of my controller. I am focusing more on releasing what I need to release because I know that's where I need to go. That's really been helping me more because when I release things, it's almost as if my controller now does not have that power. It's like the power, it's dissipating as I release more and more about the fact that I'm in my situation and I have to accept it. And at the same time, I keep going because what else can I do, right? I'm not going to give up on my life. I'm here. So those loud voices, Christina, that you were referring to earlier, I will venture to guess that it's your ego combined with your analyzer that's creating the loud voices. And I say that based on the notion that my explorer... My divine self, my explorer, knows I'm eternal. My divine explorer knows without a shadow of a doubt that if I miss something this time, if I fail, quote-unquote, something, that's all right. It'll come around. I'll have another chance so I can breathe easier. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, so it's that old, I can imagine, it's what, it was like the Civil War back in the day, like there's that line, there's clear, this this clear side, you can tell by uniforms what sides they're on, and they're in clear battle mode. I mean, it's total, because there's all those old patterns, there's my perfectionist and and all that stuff. I want to get it right now, like I want to get it correct. I don't want to have to repeat this. The next time back through this, I just want to be polishing, right? I don't want to have to learn another lesson. And that's just an old pattern. I'm quite aware of it. I just, I'm telling you, it's loud right now. <laughs> well, your competitor inside you is going, come on, get this done. Get it right, you idiot. Let's go, right? Yeah. I've been listening to another book when I'm driving. It, t- it tells you about your personality type. 
Uh-huh. And in my personality type is certainly one of competition and perfection. This rigid has to be on point all the time, and yeah, <laughs> all of this is hitting really home today. <laughs> so here's a little secret. Many times in my journey, I'll get a very clear vision, and that vision is so powerful that I'm interpreting it such that I am to take action now. Well... Once again, because of our divine side has really no reference to time, no reference to, quote-unquote, what we would call our conscious reality, I've come to learn that when a vision comes in, the play, and it's powerful, that after the vision has completed itself, when things magically start showing up in my life, when serendipity and synchronicity, when odd random things start happening that causes me to go, whoa, that was cool. Wow, check that out. When things start landing in my lap before I know that I needed them to land in my lap, then I have synced up with divine time. The mistake I made, and I do think I will make this again, is that the vision or the request or the inner voice will be so strong that I have to act on something now, and I will put off a relationship. I will push the boulder up the hill. I will make things happen. I will call people up. I will demand this. I will request that. I will spend money to get this. I will make it happen, because I can. I have the divine gift of choice, right? Right. Right. When I get in touch with the fact that I'm using force, versus power. I wake up to the fact that I need to stop forcing myself. Hey, Soul, can you help us understand where that thin line is? Serendipity and synchronicity. Think of the law of diminishing returns. Are you familiar with the law of diminishing returns? Somewhat. It's been a hot day... I'm mowing the lawn. I'm thinking, oh, my God, how good a cold iced tea is going to taste after I'm done mowing the lawn. So I finish mowing the lawn, and I have my cold iced tea. And that first iced tea is, oh, God, that's good. And the little voice inside me goes, oh, you know what? I think a second iced tea would be really, really fabulous. Let's have a second one. So I have a second one. Is the second iced tea as relieving, as yummy, as refreshing as the first iced tea? No. No. They say in addiction schooling, and as I was doing my master's in social work and I was doing some courses in addiction, whether that's chemicals, whether that's physical actions like sexual addictions, things like that, they say that the first high, a person's first high, will always be their highest that if they want to attain that same level of high, that same thrill, that same result, they're going to have to use more of the same whatever, whether it's drugs or physical actions or whatever. So the law of diminishing returns is I have to apply more force exponentially to get the same result, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So to answer your question... Christina, when things happen like magic, you've crossed the line from force to power. When I do something 
because I want to. I'm compelled to. I need to. There's an inner something inside me that is exciting me. It's driving me. It's giving me this energy that I need to do it. I have to do it. Versus someone externally going, Soul, come on, this deadline's passed. Let's go. Um, Let's get this done. Some external reason is forcing me to comply. Soul, if you don't lose weight, you're going to be a diabetic. Soul, if you don't take care of this, you're not going to get that. Now, I'm going to apply force to ignore it. (laughs) I don't want to do it. The desire to do it's not there. Follow? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the thin line, Miss Christina, is stop forcing yourself to do anything. Once I stop forcing myself and just wait for that divine inspiration to hit, because I, it's hit me, and that's when all that energy comes in and I have that energy to do it, what it is that divine inspiration has landed on me. Yes, you've yeah. synchronized your own divine with the grander source. It's synced up. The cost, the price of ignoring this sinking up is frustration, anger, doubt, guilt, shame, worry, a very busy chaos committee, etc., etc. This is that force. That is one of those roots that are like a small tree. (laughs) This guy's be pulled up from the root for sure. Christina, what got you out of bed at four in the morning to go to training? I had to. Dive into that. What is that had to? What makes up that had to? All things considered, if you had the choice to do anything else, you really honestly had the choice to do anything else, would you still choose to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go train? Now? No. (laughs) It was my vision of the person that I wanted to be and my belief at the time that I had to have these degrees to do it and my means to do that was to play ball for my scholarship. You just unpacked it. You just figured out what you chose to pay and how you chose to pay it. Now, knowing that, you're a wiser consumer. If you were faced with the same dilemma... If I walked up to you tomorrow, Christina, and said, here's the deal. I've just scored a major contract. I have $7 billion in the bank now. Here, let's go online and look at my account. And we hop online, and you sit down with me, and you, yep, Soul Dancer has $7 billion in his bank account. Woohoo! And I say, I'm going to hire you, Christina. I want to hire you to do this job. I'm going to pay you $1.5 million a year for the next 10 years. But here's the deal. This job is we're going to require you to do. And then I give you this huge long list of stuff that you, quite frankly, would rather eat aluminum foil and swallow it before you even thought of doing one of those things. But because of the notion that $1.5 million for the next 10 years is going to give you the bankroll you need so that on the 11th year you could do whatever it is you wanted to do, would you sign my contract? No. Therefore, the lesson that you learned of getting up at 4.30 in the morning 
day after day taught you just now to say no. And to me, that is a priceless lesson. That's so true. But because you went through that lesson, if you had not gone through that lesson, and I presented you with the same scenario, you I might have said yes. Yeah. 2.5 seconds. <laughs> exactly. You may not even have survived that 10 years because of the level of stress that I was going to imp- impose upon you. But because I put that carrot, that wealth, that physical wealth in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. Where am I going with all this? I think that's interesting because I'm telling you, always ongoing conversations in my head. And one of them has been the notion that in your business, when you first get started in your business, those first three to seven years, you're grinding it out like crazy to exhaustion all the time. But it's going to be worth it because by the end of that time, you'll be able to lead that laptop lifestyle on the beaches of the world kind of thing, right? And increasingly lately, in my soul, it has that notion has not felt right. The notion that I've got to kill myself for the next few years so that my business is at that level just has not felt right. And my question ongoing for the last little bit has been, how do I make this a little more feel right now? Not that I mind the hard work, not that I mind putting in some long days or whatever or the grinding it out from time to time. I don't mind that at all, but it just doesn't seem like it has to be so all or nothing. I'll just end by saying I'm scared to say it, but I'm thinking that the answer is really just letting go because I feel like there's a momentum that I've started to create, like a surfer on a big wave that will work out. She's a little scary to my controller. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, she said it. All right. I understand where you're going with that, Christina, that same feeling, wanting to do what I need to do and being, and I've always heard it that way too, is that if you give it your all now, that it will pay off later. Hey, I've been experiencing that, and I've been saying, I had said to myself, really? Well, where is that payoff? (laughs) It's been years already. So at this point, after a while, my energy, I don't want to use up my energy to that extreme where I have to force myself. Oh, no, thank you. I'd rather tap into the divine energy and let things happen as they come to me. And that right there is when when it doesn't happen like that, again, I'm aware that, okay, well, now that's expectation or that's my controller. Tapping into that source of divine energy is, I, I always wonder, well, now how can I constantly be in that tap so that I don't have to you keep are. searching for it, right? <laughs> we are. We yes, are in that constant flow. The chaos committee, the doubts, the guilts, the shames, the worries, the analyzers, creates enough static, creates enough distractions, enough justifiable thises and thats that we forget we are. I look at my own situation, raising $15.5 million for 
a company called Caregiver Lifeline. I don't need to do that. I could easily stop everything what I'm doing, donate everything that I've raised to wonderful causes that are doing fabulous things right now, go out and get a little minimum wage job someplace and live a very happy, healthy, content life, just stocking shelves and eating my minimal little thises and thats and just waiting for my mortal coil to give up. I could. Millions upon millions of people do that daily. There are traffic jams filled with people doing that every single day. It's doing it right now. As soon as one dream dies, what propels me is I know what Caregiver Lifeline will bring to caregivers. I know it because I see it, because I'm doing it. I know that by helping caregivers live healthier lives, I know that by helping caregivers learn how to set boundaries with parents who are going through very trying times. Know of anybody, Christina? <laughs> I got my hand raised. <laughs> is it, at this point, this is where Chris's ego goes, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite aware that you have been grinning throughout this whole conversation at, the, at your opportunities, though. <laughs> I'm very aware that the potential of a collective group of people can accomplish anything. I choose to tap into that potential. What is the cost? My patience. My biggest teachers, ladies, my biggest teacher, the one that I have the most stormiest love-hate relationship with is patience. (laughs) (laughs) I can concur with that. I'm giving you virtual fist bumps, Marsha. God, give me patience and give it to me right now, damn it. (laughs) Because I know we as a species can accomplish absolutely astounding things very quickly when we're motivated to do so. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. That's the potential that makes my explorer go, ooh, what's up? So I guess I'll conclude our journey today with this notion of please, please, go hug your explorer today. (laughs) (laughs) I have become more and more aware that I have a divine self that really bubbles over at times. And then I have all that energy that comes up from nowhere, It feels good. And then I have those days where I'm like, oh, when is it going to (laughs) happen? And I'm very aware of that as well. I'm going to keep releasing and releasing, get to that divine self through the explorer, like you said. And in those moments, Marsha, when you have those notions of when is it going to happen, can I offer you a perspective? Absolutely. Absolutely. Revisit the fact that Marsha Sortino is currently helping a dozen other lives right now, real time, shift into their potential. Will you do that? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I can't put a price to that. If you can, let me know. Because of Christina Irvin, over a dozen people are making fundamental shifts in their lives because she knocked on their door and said, there's this weirdo by the name of Soul Dancer who's got this crazy-ass book called Pay Me What I'm Worth. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, 
my seeking, my desire to continue to really go on overdrive seeking out clarity is really pointless because I'm actually much more aware and clear than I want to give myself credit for. And yep. probably the reason that I am not is because that chaos committee does wants me to remain blind to it because in that fear, I stay in the hamster wheel that the chaos committee wants me to stay in. Bingo. Because it's justified. The chaos committee will say, look, we've gotten you to where you are. What an ingrate. God. <laughs> yes. Just stick with it. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Stay on the hamster wheel. We'll get you there, you ingrate. And your divine self is going, um, <clears throat> I think I've watched this movie enough now. <laughs> Because it's crazy, as a, when I unpack it verbally, I'm like, what the hell have you been doing all this stress about this week? <laughs> so is it safe to say, am I hearing, as we conclude, that I need to change the cover of the book, Pay Me What I'm Worth, from Pay Me What I'm Worth, a workbook to say it, mean it, get it, to Pay Me What I'm Worth, colon, discover your divine self. High five on that. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, it's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life, and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.